0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Mark Vandermeer with you, joined by my good friend Mike Corey. You've seen him on ESPN. You've seen him all over the place. And uh, I've seen him for a long time, actually. Uh, We go back to UMass days. We didn't go there together. He went there. I didn't. I worked there. But anyway, Mike, great to have you with us. How's it going?
1: What's up, man? Uh, Great great to be here. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I know it's been a, a crazy time. And you do all these games on ESPN, college football, college basketball, lacrosse. I mean, you do a lot of weird sports. So, well, other than lacrosse, what else have you also done, broadcasting-wise?
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, so, I was fortunate to do the uh, the the Olympics with field hockey. So, I did field hockey at the Olympics. Uh, you mentioned lacrosse. I've done a, I've done a water polo match before. Uh, crazy enough, I've done some MMA uh, before for like SN. What else? rugby I've done rugby for them I mean a lot of different things and you know you just kind of get used to it I mean you know how you would do it I mean you, you come up with all the information you talk to people you watch old tape you figure it out uh, I really never say no to any of that stuff and then you just kind of get it done you know so but yeah there's been a, a lot of different uh, sports here and there over the
0: years. So you really know about rugby like can you describe rugby to people? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I'm not gonna claim that I know everything about it. No,
1: and the same thing with field hockey, right? I mean, I, I got to know it, I got to know that really well, but then there's still a couple of, you know, weird rules or things that happen and right. that you know at that point I just kind of you know turned to the analysts and oh they're like yeah that's the blah 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 you know so <laughs> I mean you can't possibly know everything right I mean we don't even know everything in football sometimes after you know when there's a crazy uh, call that comes up you know
0: yeah I I remember doing field hockey once when I was at uh, do, doing games at Penn State not for the university mm-hmm. but you know I was doing some of the university games but for a commercial station and I I did field hockey once on a day's notice, and. Yeah, it was women's field hockey national semifinals, Virginia versus Penn State. I had no clue what was going on. Uh huh. You know, she hits the ball over to the left side and, you know, on the radio. So you have to describe it. You know, it's sort of an advantage to do TV because you're letting the picture tell the story. If you have a great analyst, they kind of carry it, right?
1: Yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're on radio with that, I wouldn't know how to do all that on radio. That would be, you really have to know every single detail and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the dimensions and all the stuff, you know, with the, with the radio call. For me, I was like, you can lay back, you can, you know, let it happen. And then if you don't know, you kind of take a breath and then they pop in. So yeah, I think it's a little easier on TV.
0: All right. So Mike, also, I, I want to get into a bunch of other stuff here, but You've done games off a TV monitor for the Olympics, and talk about that experience. I think you were in the SNL studio that converted the whole thing to an Olympic remote broadcast studio because they weren't going to send every broadcast team overseas. You had to do some of the action from New York.
1: Yeah, they were trying to, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, it was effective. I mean, I thought it went very well. I mean, there was a lot of people there, so I mean, it's 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 to save money, but also, you know, the logistics, and it, it really is a little bit easier. I mean, when you think about it, and you have to get the truck, and you got to set up all the cables, and you got to send it back. I mean, there there's so many people, so many things that can go wrong. It's like when you're actually in the studio, it's it's a little bit liberating, you know, in a way because it's. You got your monitor, you got your audio, everything sounds clean, everything's crisp, everything's tested, nothing really fails. I mean, it's just, it's all ready to go, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of variables, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but with that being said, um, it's, a, it's, it's all one-sided, which is unfortunate, because that's the thing about calling a game off the monitor in a studio. Like, if you and I were sitting on our couch, as you know, watching the game, just calling it, we can only say what we see. Like, I can't I be like, oh, looks like Vandermeer's upset about the call, and then bang, the camera shoots on him because they're following what I say. Mm-hmm. I'm literally following everything they say or what they're showing, you right. know? So, um But in a way, I mean, it's a little bit easier because we fail at this, I think, uh, a bunch of times anyway with the viewer or the listener they're seeing what they see on TV and we're off looking at something else or whatever. And then they're, they're yep. screaming at the TV, like, dude, he's in bounds! What are you talking about? I'm like, Oh, well, I was <laughs> looking around. I wasn't quite seeing it. So when you only can see the same thing everybody else is seeing, you, you know, it, it leaves you less to to think about and worry about right. now, as long as you can actually see it <laughs> the numbers and what's going on. So, um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a really nice job with it. Um, it's, it was fun and you're right. We took over the entire, uh, Saturday night live set, uh, at NBC in, in Rockefeller Center in New York. I mean, it was probably one of the most, uh, you know, amazing experiences and, and fun I've ever had walking down the halls where all the, the pictures of all the, you know, people that were on the show have been, uh, you walked underneath the thing that said, you know, entrance to trains and all that. I mean, it was, um, mm-hmm. it was an
0: experience. It was great. So. You can relate to what some of these NBA guys, these Major League Baseball guys are going through right now, and ultimately what some of the NFL guys are going to be going through, calling games off a monitor. Uh it, It's got to be a weird thing, considering most of these people we're talking about haven't done that. I plan on traveling this season for the NFL, but you never know if the pandemic changes. Maybe I can't go, have to do it off a monitor, and I'm not looking forward to that part of it. But uh, your thoughts on what you're seeing in broadcasting right now, with the pandemic in progress.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're doing radio off the monitor, I don't know, I think, and I was watching somebody or I think I was hearing something about this. A friend of mine told me and, and they were, the guys were a little, you know, they, it's hard to see it. It's hard to see everything off the monitor, call it in real time. If you're doing radio, as you know, you got to be a little bit behind, I think on that one, if you're watching the TV and that's all you got and they're shooting around and you don't know where the ball is going to go immediately. You can't be like, oh, he hits it and then you don't know where it goes or or yeah. if the guy got doubled up. I mean, you got to stay – I think you got to be behind a little bit. And here's the thing. Nobody else knows because you're on the radio. And I think right. the days of you being in the stands and putting the headset on and listening to you call the game in real time, it, that's not as prevalent as it used to be, right, remember, because then it's on a delay and it doesn't match up. So you don't have to worry because nobody – i don't think many people are watching the tv and really i don't know maybe they are but you gotta you gotta get it right like you said the goal is always to get it right so if you're watching it off the monitor doing radio i think you gotta kind of take a breath and be a little behind so you can see everything that happens now Mm -hmm. if you're doing it on tv Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you want to try to be on as on top of it as possible, but it's difficult. I mean, it's very difficult. Um, You know, I haven't done football off the monitor. So that's one thing I can't really uh, talk to because they would always make sure us, the announcers would be on site with football. I've done basketball from the studio. I've done lacrosse from the studio. I've done field hockey from the studio. That's a little bit easier. Football. I always feel like we kind of got to be there for some reason, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) we might not have that luxury this year, so it might have to be done.
0: Well, I think, you know, a lot of great points you make. I mean, we were prepared to do our whole preseason, and we used Kevin Kugler at uh, Play by Play. Uh, We were prepared to do the whole thing off a monitor because they weren't going to let these guys travel. They were going to let us have maybe a sideline reporter and one camera on the ground, and that's it uh, when we're on the road. So I didn't have to go through that, but I'm eager to see how how it happens this year college and pro uh, calling games like that. And I think the listener, the viewer, whatever the case is, suffers. Um, uh, it's funny you bring all that stuff up about the monitor because you know, doing a radio game, you know, I'll, the, the, the Sean Watson highlight where he gets kicked in the eye, uh, spins around, gets out of the sack and, and, and checks to make sure the eyeball is still in and then throws to the end zone. When I watch that in slow motion, I'm like, why did I say all that? You know, but, you know, I'm a million miles away up in the booth, and it's like, Watson escapes to the right side, throws, touchdown. You know, you can't say everything, and it, sometimes it gets frustrating in our in our roles, uh, the stuff you can't say, and then you see later, uh, because they have some tremendous angle on it, and it's in slow motion.
1: No, exactly. I mean, you know, I, and listen, I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before, and, you know, I haven't done as much radio you know, since I was doing Delaware back in the day, but... In today's world, right, and today, I think we need to adapt a little bit more, right? I mean, the listener is probably not taking all that in as much. Like, if you tried to say everything that Watson did right there, it might might even come across like, well, what was he doing? Like, I mean, I think it sounds like the way you said it was, like, enough to say, yeah, Yeah. you got away from pressure, made a great play, threw the pass, awesome. And, yeah, you'll go back and watch the highlight, but you can't possibly – try to say every single little thing and then it becomes too fast and with everybody on their phone and messing around, they're not, they're not paying attention. They might not take it all in. I think like a little bit less today Mm -hmm. seems to be the way to go. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, the, the, the less do less better has been kind of my mantra over the last couple of years.
0: Well, something you brought up about uh, being in the stands uh, the way it used to be where you listen to the radio, watch the game, uh, I know people who some people still do that, and I'm thinking, where'd you get a radio? Like how like a walkman? I what, what kind of portable radio do you have? Because you're right, on your phone, there's a tremendous delay. It's just not gonna work. I mean, you might want to do it just to see like what are they saying about what happened 30, 40 seconds ago, uh, at best. But I always I always thought it was interesting, and, and you mentioned you were the voice of the Delaware Blue Hens, and I always uh was very impressed with the work you did there and you brought a radio transmitter with you on the road, like a, what was it? A one watt transmitter. And and you would tell the (laughs) traveling Delaware fans, you can get this on like 88.1. How did that work?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. That's what I was going to say. I think, well, you guys still have the in stadium
0: feed, right? So that they can hear you in real time. Do you have that? Well, no, it's just you're picking up a radio station. You know the the guys who shoot for the local affiliates, um, they they get Sports Radio 610 or 100.3 FM on their on a on a receiver and they pipe it into their camera. So when I'm watching highlights on the news on a Sunday night, they'll have the radio call, but it'll be like, you know, because they're listening to the. Radio signal from down on the field is not coming in very well, so that's what we live with.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. No, I always love it. I hear your uh, your highlights when I'm watching ESPN <laughs> and stuff. with the with the Texas is great. I'm like it's Vandy. Um, the, we had we had that mini transmitter. We had uh, <laughs> it was so great. Um, it was like you know like this big, and uh, we would set it up and we'd go to the stadium the day before and I tune in and find like a, a frequency that had all static in whatever city we were in and then I'd set it to that frequency, and it connects right to our equipment, and then I would like either text the fans, or we had some phone number, I don't know, I remember what we had, I mean, online at some point, where we said, hey, uh, the in-stadium frequency feed for the game at Hofstra is 89.9, uh, or whatever it was, and everybody's like, oh, okay, cool, and so <laughs> they'd go there with their Walkman, they'd tune into 89.9, whatever, and they'd be able to hear our entire broadcast of the game. Now, The one thing was, is that, (laughs) and I tried to do this where I could take the, um, the, uh, the program, well, the mix, like the after afterward, the actual mix, because I didn't want them to hear us all the time, but that would be on a delay coming back. So they got a program feed, which is literally real time, everything we're saying. And even when we go to commercial, so if I didn't turn the thing down, yeah, I might be like, well, yeah, I got to go take a bathroom break, you know, or whatever. Yeah. What the hell was he doing on that last play? They could hear <laughs> all that, you, know. So we had to be careful during the timeouts not to, you know. And we never try to swear or anything like that anyway because you never know who's listening. But anything we said, they, the fans would mention to me when they see me at the radio show. They go, you know, we love listening to that feed. You guys are more fun off the air than you are on the air. I'm like, oh, that, that's great. Thanks, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, we have that too, right? And uh our president, Jamie Roots, listens to a closed circuit feed. So he gets all the during the commercials commentary. Now, he really enjoys, you know, he's enjoyed it for years. He said, you guys are so funny during those commercials. We should probably put that on the I'm like, no, you know we can't put that on the air. Uh Because it's like, uh, and that was a tough decision. We'll be right back. And then during the commercial, what were they doing? Oh, my gosh. You know, you let the emotions out during the commercials. Uh But now... Uh, people have gotten wind of it. Like now Cal McNair, our, our, our chairman, our senior chair (laughs) listens to it. Uh, Janice McNair, uh, you know, a lot of people listen to it. So you're like, all right, tone it down during the breaks here, folks, you know, try try to keep it clean because you're right. And just doing a broadcast, um, Something went wrong with the mix. I react to that during the commercials. You know, I'm sometimes not so pleasant to be with in the booth, Mike. <laughs> no, okay. I, I don't believe that. Now,
1: listen, I do the same thing too. I, I get, you know, we we're perfectionists. We want it to sound great, be clear, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm almost like that in a way too. You know, if you're trying to work on something, what the hell's going on?
0: Hey, welcome back. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> and they hear that, so <laughs> yeah, it's fun. All right, so you're at Delaware, and you did a lot of great things there. This is a. Uh, at, at the time, one double A program now, FCS. And it was a big time program, no question. And and you did a lot of unique stuff that they never had before. And you had Corey's kids, a charitable organization. Uh, you did a lot of different things there, Mike, to make that gig so special. It was already special, but you made it even more special.
1: I appreciate it. I really do. I mean, I, I tried. I mean, I think there, you know, like you said, it's a different time. And, you know, to be honest with you, I really did. I I, I appreciated everything, you know, you kind of helped me do. I mean, when you said at the beginning of this, um, you know, you came in at the exact same time I did. You know, I became a, a freshman and you had just gotten the job to be the, the voice of the Minutemen. And I, I did. I, t- I learned a ton uh, from you, I wouldn't even have been in Delaware if it wasn't for you because you're the one that gave me all the contacts and the info and, uh, and, and the ideas to, to get the job in the first place, which, uh, you know, is a whole other story, but it was awesome. Um, and we did, we had a lot of fun. I mean, it was just, I don't know, it was just different. You know, it was just, um, the team was different. The, the it was a family atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. the people were there forever. Um, we won a championship in 2003. Um, you're right. I, I got an idea from seeing some like, I don't know, NBA player one time had like all these kids up in the upper deck, you know, and he had a little tag of like his group, you know, and I was like, yeah, we should try to do that at Delaware, see if I can get some kids, you know, underprivileged kids from schools or organizations to come to a game. And I got all these sponsors and so we got them free tickets and a free meal and a T-shirt. And, and that was a lot of fun. We did that for three years in a row. I would meet him out front before the game, um, and yeah, you know we had the little transmitter, we had the the radio show with uh, with the coach, uh, with uh, Tubby Raymond, uh, mm-hmm. God rest his soul, uh, the, the longtime Hall of Famer, and then Casey Keeler, and we had 125 to 150 people at that show every week, like upstairs at this restaurant, and I I really wow. would vow to put it up against any any like you know college uh radio you know show with a coach because you've been there you've seen them i mean there's like 12 people there there's 20 people 50 people i mean we had a dedicated 100 plus people every week uh so that was that was really fun and we got to know a lot of people and uh traveling with the group you know that's the most fun and we had a great crew and uh you know friends that i still have today so um it was a it was a great time it, re-
0: it really was Alright, what about being at UMass? Uh, there you are with the student station, uh, kicking butt, selling sponsorships. Uh, talk about the hustle that's needed or that you used to get ahead even then and, and to stand out, to make things happen because, you know, so many people, uh, whether it's in college or beyond college, kind of wait for things to come to them, you know, and, and I think it's important. It's an important message to get out, particularly at this time during the pandemic, people losing jobs, hustle, uh, just creativity. It's more important than ever, uh, whether you're going to college, post-college, whatever you're doing, it's so key uh, to be creative and, and you really use a lot of drive to get to where you want to go
1: absolutely and i mean th- again just to be honest with you you're you're a great teacher and, and mentor with that because that's uh, i learned a lot from with what you did not only with your you know hustle to get your jobs uh, the, all the times you did it and the sales aspect i mean you have to be and it's and that was just teaching me that you got to do that with everything you do in life right i mean it was just it wasn't just you know that i mean you learned so many valuable skills from like the sales you know from putting Plans together, and interactions, and and marketing, and and negotiating, and learning, and growing, and listening. Like there's so many valuable skills that I think come from that. That I was telling the kids at UMass the other day. I'm still working with them. We do like a Zoom every couple of weeks. So uh, with the student radio kids that they're there now because it you know it really meant so much to me and still does that. Without that, I wouldn't be where I was today, and I want to see it grow and get better. I don't want to see it go bad and then have people be like, oh, it was great when you were there. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I put my life into that place. Like, I don't want to see all that hard work go down the drain. Like, I want it to get better, you know what I mean? So I tell them that. I say, listen, with today, everybody thinks everything should be just given to them, and it's so easy, and why don't I get this thing? Like, any extra ounce of, you know, effort that you put in, like, which you should be doing anyway is so above and beyond everybody else because they're not doing it that you will stand out, that you will become like somebody that somebody wants to hire and go, yeah, look at this kid. Like he's, he's really a go-getter and you've seen it too with the people that work for you or that you've had, or that you've mentored as well. You know, when you find a guy that's like, yeah, this guy wants it. He's really good. He's going after it. I'm, I'm going to put a little extra effort and work with him a little bit more. And I have found that over the years, um, even the guy who took over for me at Delaware, uh, Scott Klatskin, a great friend of mine, he was a student at the university of Delaware that I worked with a bunch and I could see right off the bat. I'm like, he's, he's going to be good. And, and then he got a job with us at the station and I knew it. I said, when I'm done with this, he's taken over and he did. So, um, I would just advise them really, you gotta, you gotta work hard, you gotta like, do these things, especially now. Now's the time to go reach out and find contacts. See who's in charge at the different networks. See who's the, the man at that radio station. Get them your tape now. Let them hear what you have to say. Do that now. So that when the time comes and there is a job available, they're like, oh, yeah, Bob, I've, I've known him or I heard his tape a couple months ago. You can't wait till April or May of your senior year and then contact us and be like, hey, what do I do? It's like, no, <laughs> I want to hear from these kids like as a freshman and sophomore yeah. so I can direct them to the, to the work they need to do to be ready for their senior year. Um, but same thing now, you know, get all those contacts and things done now and then then when the time is right and the pandemic you know subsides and things are kind of going back they already know you they know your name you're not bursting onto the scene at the last minute where the job just becomes available and they're like who the hell is this guy so right. that's my advice
0: well give me a couple of things you did to stand out when you're going for the Delaware job right out of school and you scored the a job as the voice of a team which is huge and i know that you know you had some some references but still, you had to do some things to differentiate yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and
1: again, I, I'm just being honest. These are these are things you told me, um, and I and I did every every, every one of them. Uh, we <laughs> sent a clock, you know, with my uh, with my picture on, like the 12 of the five, and put the angle. It said it's Mike Corey time. Uh, <laughs> I sent a basketball with my name on it. You know, Mike Corey's on the ball. I uh, sent like a bunch of. Losing. Oh, I didn't know you
0: did that. That's I I literally did that. Yeah, I know. I I did everything you told me to do. Was, you're, you're the one. I, I don't mean, remember it, the other stuff. I just remember like, the basketball. I created a couple extra
1: ones, but like a lot of the things you told me, like, and then I had like a bunch of losing lottery tickets and megabucks and and then I had, I said, why take your chances and gamble when you can go for the sure thing? And I put my picture oh. up that's good <laughs> yeah it was great i mean and then you tell me i, I ordered a bunch of pizzas uh from mm-hmm. a local pizza place in the area and had them delivered and said hey enjoy your lunch mike cory they got that yeah um i sent my cd because at the time you send the cds fedex <laughs> you know fedex a yeah. cd um they got all that then i fedex like thank you letters um You know, I think I sent a couple more things, uh, but every day, every other day, they got something. So I was tracking it. It was like, Mm -hmm. I mailed it out Monday. I got the FedEx tracking number. I got there Tuesday, got there Wednesday. Then I sent another thing Wednesday so it'd get there Friday. Then I sent another thing Thursday so it'd get there Saturday. Like, I have a whole list, um, you know, of, of stuff that I did to do it. Went down there for the interview. Then again, sent the thank you, sent another CD with some more stuff. I literally took the Delaware versus UMass game that I did um, at the student radio station and took out all the Delaware calls for touchdowns and put that on the second CD so they could actually hear me calling touchdowns for Delaware. And like, I always tried to be someone who would be excited no matter whether it was the other team scoring or scoring. So it wasn't like, uh, touchdown Delaware, you know, like I would be like, you know, touchdown Delaware, but not as much excited if if it was for UMass, you know, you know how it is. But mm-hmm. they got that, they got the pizzas, they got all the attention getting things, and then I came back for the second interview and they and they gave me the job. So it was just a lot of cool things besides just emailing and calling that I think mm-hmm. everybody wants to do. Nobody really gets a lot of packages anymore. Nobody gets a lot of, uh, you know, mail. Uh, the, the pizza thing I thought was a great idea that you said. I mean, that, that's a brilliant one. I mean, just, you know, if food shows up at their door, you know, from Mike and from Mark Vandermeer. Have a great lunch. Like, what the heck is this? Like, that's yeah. pretty cool. You know I mean? That, all that stuff applies today. I think you could still do that kind of stuff today. Um And send the emails and the calls and all that stuff. So now you have even more in your arsenal. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were working with whatever we were working with, right? I mean, we're not even that old, but there wasn't any email, (laughs) there wasn't any like internet. I mean, it was just getting going. Like, I hate to be like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I didn't even have a computer when I got there. We had like a community of three computers and like once or twice a day. I'm like, nah, I guess I should go check the email, you know, (laughs) and that was it. (laughs) <laughs> it was so funny. Oh,
0: that's great. That's great. I, I rem- yeah, a lot of memories are coming up. But I think uh, I don't want this point to get lost, um, it, whether it's a broadcasting job or not. The fact that you put together a campaign to get a position you wanted, I think it's huge. I mean, I and I know you talk to a lot of young kids about getting jobs, broadcasting or not, any kind of job. And I always say, you know, unless you're applying to be a lawyer or an engineer or something, there are no rules. I talk to people going for marketing jobs and all they've done is send in their resume. I'm like, it's marketing. Market yourself. Show right. them that you're a good marketer and maybe they'll hire you. Like do everything you just said about sending pizzas and sending packages. Even in a pandemic, sending packages, sending pizzas is fair game. Uh, and there are other things you can do to be creative. I used to like to show up and say, I just, you know, to the receptionist, I just want to shake the guy's hand. Well, now that's like a death threat during COVID, I guess. You know? yeah, I know. No, no handshakes. But uh, So that's a little tougher to show up just uh, randomly unannounced. Uh, but there are many other things you can do, and I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah, no, you you really can. And and then if you you maybe send them an email about like,
0: hey, I'm going to be in the area, you know, Monday, mm-hmm.
1: Tuesday or Wednesday, what well, what works for you just love to come by and say hello, you know, and then right. they kind of at least have to answer to that, um, even though you don't really have a plan to be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> but if they say Tuesday, they'd be like, oh, I'm there and then you go, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. you could do it that way. Um, but yeah, just anything to really set yourself apart. I mean, it, it happened to be Perfect because it was a sales slash, you know, radio job. So selling yourself was again, like you just said, part of the whole entire sales process. You, that's what they want to see and that's what they needed. And they were a rock station and they looked for a young guy and it just, it just happened to work out. Um, but I like to say this and, you know, I know you probably do this too. I don't like to ever be like, well, it's all on who you know and, you know, right place yeah. at the right time. Like listen, that's important and that's part of it. But you also got to do the other stuff, too. Yes, it is right place at the right time. A little bit it is who you know. Uh Do you get in the door? But then you got to do all those other things. And I feel like if you do all those things and you did everything you possibly could to make it happen, and then it doesn't work out, that's when you can say, okay, it wasn't meant to be. But right. nothing is meant to be if you didn't do everything you possibly could to make it happen.
0: Yep. Uh, that's so well said. And, uh, you know, broadcasting, I know we kind of joke about it like, Oh, the Syracuse guys, you know, uh, you have that, you have that Syracuse on your resume. That's huge in trying to get a broadcasting job. It's like Johns Hopkins doctor or whatever, you know, Harvard Law, like, oh, I want that person or I want to at least have a look, have a listen to that person. But um, many of us didn't go to those places. So it's important to differentiate, find a way out. Uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit about... Um, college football, college basketball. I know you love doing these things, but being an announcer for ESPN versus being the voice of a team, you got to be neutral guy. And I always feel like, and I've done a few national games here and there or, or been the neutral announcer, I'm always rooting for whoever's behind. I mean, do you find yourself doing the same thing? Whoever's trailing is the team I'm pulling for.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we want a close game, you know, we never want it to be a blowout. I know. I, I do. I do. I'm kind of like, come on, you know, make a play here. Like, let's get back in this. I don't, I don't want a 21 point game. I mean, yeah. it's, it's rough. Like, I tell people, like, That's why, you know, and I love basketball. I love football. But, I mean, basketball, even if you're down by, like, 20 in basketball, you know, it's like, hey, you bang a three, you hit a two, you make a steal, you score. Now it's a 12-point game. That team calls timeout. Like, you can kind of get back in it. You know what I mean? Like, when you're down by 21 or 24 in football, I mean, it's pretty brutal. I mean, not to say you can't come back. But, I mean, it's – if you get caught in a bad college football game for 3, hours – it's bad. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you. Like I always kind of like want it to be a, a close game. So, yeah, I mean, but staying neutral is not hard to me really. It's not. I mean, I, I, like I said, I just get excited for big plays and and, and good plays and the, and the right things, no matter who does it, you know? So that's easy for me. I, I really don't have ever a rooting interest per team. I mean, even if it was UMass, I've done UMass games before a bunch of them. I just, I get excited for whoever's doing what. I mean, it's really not that hard, I don't think.
0: Well, I mean, there's so many things to consider when when you're doing one of those games. And I know you have a lot of voices in your head, and, and you're just trying to put together the best broadcast possible. You have a great partner in Rini Angolia, who was actually at UMass as well as a running back, which is just so bizarre that you guys worked together and you went to school together. Did you know Rini when you were in college? Was he already done by the time you got there? Uh, no, what, what's no. your memory of reading at UMass?
1: Yeah, he, he was there. So he was playing while I was a student and I actually did the games on the student radio station while he was playing. I totally remember it. I mean, I believe it was like, he was a senior and I was a freshman. I I mean, I should I know that it
0: was but, close. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I did, I did games though. And I remember calling him on the, on the radio and also writing in the school newspaper. Uh, so I did, I, I he was, he was one of the best. I mean, he was like the third all time leading rusher at that school Um, and I, I looked him up to be honest with you, like, and I can't seem to find for whatever reason, the one double a like list of running backs, um, and all their records. But if you take the amount of yards he rushed for, I think it's like four thousand three hundred something and you threw it into just the FBS all time leading rushers. He's the 50th uh, leading rusher, like top 50, you know, of, Mm -hmm. of all time for, for running backs in college football, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun. So we, we knew each other there. And then, like, 10 years went by, you know, and I caught up with him in Orlando at this, like, Pop Warner Super Bowl thing that he was doing, uh, that he got to do for, like, ESPN 3 or, or something. I don't think it was ESPN 3. And I was doing it for, like, the NFL films. And then we, he asked me, hey, how do I get kind of into this? He was doing UMass radio. And I was like, hey, maybe, you know, call this guy. Let's contact this dude and a couple regional networks. And the next thing you know, he did. He started getting on ESPN to do, like, ESPN 3. And that's exactly when I got on ESPN. It's 2011, and then they put us together, like uh, to do games. And I don't think they had any clue that you know we both (laughs) went to UMass and that we actually knew each other.
0: Well, and you guys do a lot of social media stuff. You've been, you've gone to the coffee places in college towns that you visit. You've gone to other places. I think you're you're the most active uh, play-by-play guy at ESPN. I see in this category a ton of social media stuff. How important is that, and how did that come to be?
1: Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. Absolutely. And I mean, it's 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 huge. I mean, it's very important. I mean, I I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, that's this is the world now. This is where you got to be. I think a lot of people like to see behind the scenes stuff. I like to think, you know, we can bring things to them that they otherwise couldn't get. Um, you know, they could, of course, watch every game and whatever, but I'm trying to bring a little bit of perspective of how the game gets done or what city we're in or some really cool places to go visit or eat at. And, and you know, we've had some fun. We've had a ton of fun. We went to a lot of different – you know, um, we went to hospitals as well, too, to, like, you know, take care of some kids there, bring some goodies. And then that was one thing we did for a year. Uh, we did the little coffee stops just to kind of, you know, check out, like, the best coffee spot in each town we're in. But then we would go and do behind the scenes with the players in the locker room or the coaches, um, you know, other spots around town, you know, food places, Um I, sh- I show a lot from, I think, like the broadcast perspective. I like to give the people credit that make it happen, like the audio guys and the stage managers and the video people. And, I- and I've done segments with just them in the truck to show everybody what it takes uh, to to put a broadcast on, like, you know, the audio people, how important they are. Um, the, the video guy, I don't think any people know what the video guy, the video guy is literally sitting there all day and making sure that the picture looks as clean and clear and, and similar the entire time because the light comes in from the sun and then it goes away and the player is here and he's monitoring every camera to make sure everything looks as clean and perfect as you see it on TV every time. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, so I did something with them. So I think it's great. I mean, I really try to do um, that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, I'm not really a social media guy who's just going to make comments and put out my personal, like, what's the deal with this and, you know, that. I mean, that's just Mm kind of not me. I mean, I'm getting to be a little bit more of that, but I think I can use it in a way that, show some people some stuff that they never got to see or never knew and uh, provides a little extra enjoyment and excitement or whatever it may be uh, to the
0: people out there. So that's, that's kind of what i am trying to do. So uh, what's up for this year? I mean, do you know yet? You're waiting to find out because college football is so up in the air right now. Different conferences are doing different things. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's wild. I mean, so um, if you're, there's a bunch of conferences that are like, yep, yeah, no fall sports. We're done, whatever. Okay. You're done. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And I I almost respect that decision. I at first I was kind of like, when the Ivy league came out back in March, you know, and I was like, that's it. We're done. No spring stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is ridiculous. So like, we don't even know what the deal is. And then obviously we did, but you know, it worked out for per se for them to say no, nothing because we didn't do anything anyway. But I was a little like, eh, that seemed to be a little, you know, early for that decision. So now they say nothing again, no, no more fall sports. And I'm not as like critical because I could say, yeah, all right, I get it. However, we've been through this now and we've seen a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, it's not getting much better, but could we wait at least another couple months to see if we can like try to salvage or do something with the season? Or are we literally just going to say see you in 2021? Like, I right. don't really want to do that. I mean, there's five more months of this year, and like we know how things could change on a dime. Like, boom! Hey, vaccine's ready. Oh, hey! Yeah. You never know. Right. So that one, I'm like, eh. Probably could have pushed it back to like October or something per se, and then we wait, and then if not, go. Okay, we tried. So that's what right. some of the leagues are doing. So like, I like the Pac-12. Like, hey, we'll start September 19th or and then you know early October and see if we can get a conference schedule together and and play and do it safely, that's what I'm honing out hope for. So I know some leagues are doing that. If the major ones do do that, we will be calling games. I believe I will be calling games. um,
0: And then we'll go from there.
1: Uh, Same thing like the NFL,
0: trying to make it work. I'm with you. I mean, even even if the NFL had to shorten, I would say, all right, and not ideal, but, you know, at least you're doing something. Look at basketball, look at baseball. Um, I remember 1982 in the NFL, uh, 56 days off because of a strike and it ended up being a nine game season. And look, it's not ideal, but we had fun. We watched it. The Super Bowl was the Redskins beating, um, Miami with, uh, John Reagan's fourth and one. Oh, mm-hmm. the Washington football team beating Miami. Sorry about that. But I, I would, you know, look, I think we'll take anything at this point. It's sports. We want it back and, uh, you know, safely, of course, but we'd love to have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's the way I'm looking at it, and, and it's like, but, you know, I want it to be you, – you want to have fun, and you want to be able to do it and not have to feel like, oh, my gosh, every single little thing you do and say, like, I, I know it's hard, and we want to be safe, so I'm not advocating not to do that. But, like, even with, like, the NBA and the NHL, I mean, good for them. Uh, they they got it done, you know, the bubble. Then the NHL, I see, you no know, no positive tests. That, that was really good, and they're going to get going soon, so good for them. Uh, so they did get it done. In some senses, I was almost thinking, like, you know what? you're not even playing this during this time anyway. It's mm-hmm. so hard to get it all squared away. Maybe you step back and say, let's get ready for the next season starting November and do that right and be rocking and rolling for that to use your line. Um, and maybe that, but they didn't do that. And that's okay. If, if everything goes well, I'm glad. Yeah, we'll take it. We love sports. We want to see it. So, um but it just seemed like so much extra effort, you know, and then it's like, then the next season might not start till later and that's going to get delayed. It's like, yeah. man, I mean, I said this to Reedy when we were doing a podcast um, the other day. I go, what I do is I call it I call it third down and 13. You're in third down and 13. You know, you're behind the chains. It's like at some point sometimes you see this with your team and other teams and you're like, what are you doing? Inside handoff, one or two yards, punt the ball, push them back deep, play field position, regroup. That's exactly yeah. the way I said it because that's what teams do sometimes. It's like, all right, all right. Not working out right now. Let's not back ourselves up anymore. Let's not throw an interception. Just push him back and regroup. In some senses, I think we got to do that with some of these things. Everybody wants to open. We gotta do this. We gotta get to here. We got mm-hmm. it's not working out all of the things. Punt the ball, regroup. Let's get it started right.
0: Maybe November, maybe December. You know what I mean? I don't know. Do you agree uh, with
1: that? Or is well, that
0: I go back and forth. I mean, sometimes I want to be Deshaun Watson and like, hey, third and 13, I can pick this baby up. Let's go. All right. Drop back, scramble around, make a play. Uh I keep hoping that, you know, somehow we get, uh you know, you start reading about treatments that are somewhat successful. Uh I know somebody uh, in a hospital here in Houston, they did give him uh, hydroxychloroquine, among other things, with the antibiotics and everything, and he, he got better. So who knows? I mean, I, I just don't this is a whole other conversation but it shows you about media and information and what media do you trust and i got to be honest i don't i don't really trust anybody you know because i think i i look at the reporter where they're getting their information from and you know it's very difficult to find people you trust and i think that's been a whole theme of this thing you you don't trust government you don't trust the medical community all of them okay them because clearly there are differing opinions there so I could go on all day about it, but you know, clearly we're we're getting through it. It appears, uh, but you can have a flare up at any time. So we got to find some kind of treatment. That's for sure.
1: No, that is. And, and, but we all go back and forth every week, every single day. And it just makes you look Mm -hmm. a little like, you know, one week you're saying this and the next week you're saying that. And it's like, so to me, I don't know if I gave you this example, but to use another sports analogy, I, 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 I look at it as like the bouncing lacrosse ball. When I do lacrosse, I used to be like, you know, I'd pick it up, and then the guy would knock my stick down, and then the ball would get loose, and then he'd have it. a big, be like, oh, now Johnson's got it, then the ball get knocked away. And I'd be like, oh, no, then no, Vandermeer's got it again. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Now, when that happens, I sit back, and I just let the scrum happen. I let Bob pick it up, and I let Joe, then I let so-and-so, then he's got that then so-and-so's got it. And then finally, when the dude picks it up, and he's running three or four yards clear down the field, then I'm like, and Johnson's got it. You know, when the dust is settled and I see who's got the ball and he's in the clear, then I call it out. I don't even sit there all day and try to discern who's got it every three seconds. That's kind of what's happening right now. I'm like, you know what? It's a bounce bouncing the ball. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let the thing happen. I'm going to wait till somebody finally picks it up and he's in the clear. And then I'll be like, okay, we're playing football.
0: You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like so hard right well, now. now. Now I'm going back to, now I'm going back to play-by-play. Cause like when that happens in basketball, you get all these tips under the basket. I just say hot potato, right? Okay. hot potato. And whoever eventually gets it rebounded by, you know, <laughs> so I like the hot potato or, uh, you know, scrum for the scrum for the ball. Football is bouncing all around, you know, whoever ends up with it. Fine. Like you say, You don't want to get too much information out there. Anyway, Mike, I want to thank you for being on, and uh, it's really a pleasure to catch up, as always. And best of luck this season, whatever season we have, and I know we're going to catch up soon enough.
1: Yeah, I love talking to you, man, every time. You know that. So uh, same to you. Uh, All the best, and let's hope we're uh, we're having fun. We're throwing the ball around this uh, this fall. All right, let's do it. Thanks a lot.
0: And thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. Keep it here for more good stuff. Mike's a great guest. We've got others as well. So uh, stick around, and we really appreciate you listening and watching Vandermeer's View.